Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Wesley assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called The Heart of the Matter, brothers and sisters. The Heart of the Matter. We are in charge of guarding our hearts. And this is a full-time job, brothers and sisters. So today's lesson will be a strategy guide on how to prevent spiritual heart disease, brothers and sisters, the heart of the matter. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Do what, brother? Keep thy heart with all diligence. A call for vigilance in guarding our hearts more than men do over anything else. For out of it, are the issues of life. For what? For out of it are the issues of life. Because our hearts, our minds guide and direct everything we do, brothers and sisters. Let's read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why does it say keep thy heart? Because it's prone to go astray, brothers and sisters. For out of it are the issues of life. See, so the heart is to be guarded against all improper affections, brothers and sisters. Those who neglect to live in the continual exercise <clears throat> of selfish and sinful affections, guess what? That's keeping your heart, brothers and sisters. That's keeping your heart. Let's go to Colossians 3 and 2. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things on the, on the earth. Read that again, brother. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things on the earth. So look at that. Keep our minds on godly, spiritual things, brothers and sisters. Give our time and attention to the things pleasing to the Most High rather than the things pleasing to the to ourselves. This is a way in which we guard our heart because out of it come the issues of life, brothers and sisters. Let's read that one more time. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things on the earth. See, so there's something critical here. This is showing us, brothers and sisters, it does matter what we think. And we are responsible for our thoughts. Why? Because the mind of a man reflects who he really is, brothers and sisters. The mind of a man or a woman is a reflection of, a, of who he or she really is. So he's saying, in order to guard your heart, you must set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Why? Because out of those things come the issues of life, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the heart of the matter. Let's go to Romans, brother. We're going to go to the epistles, brothers and sisters. Paul, we're going to Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. What did that say, brother? For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So what is the difference between walking by the spirit and... In walking by the flesh, brothers and sisters, read that again. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, 
but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. See, so look at that, brothers and sisters. The difference between walking by the spirit and walking by the flesh, according to this scripture, the differences are about where we set our minds. This scripture describes the difference as being where we set our minds. Are you walking after the flesh or walking after the spirit? See, they mind the things of the flesh. See, that's the key, brothers and sisters. The flesh refers to the wants and needs driven by the physical body, brothers and sisters. Uh, read the next scripture, brother, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, so this is how you guard your heart, brothers and sisters. Mind things of the spirit rather than the flesh. Continue, brother. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So look at this. Paul describes two different lives, two different mindsets, brothers and sisters. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God, which means you're an enemy of the Most High God, brothers and sisters. Why? Because you're thinking on things of the flesh. And it shows you when it says, verse 5, those who mind things of the flesh, they are after the flesh, which means what? Wherever your mind is, your body will follow, brothers and sisters. So setting our minds on one or the other leads in two different directions, brothers and sisters. This is key. Set your affections on things that are above and not things that are on the earth, brothers and sisters. Why? Romans 8, 5 through 7 are the, is the answer for that particular question, brothers and sisters. Follow us to 1 John. Not John in the gospel. 1 John, brothers and sisters. Chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. Do what? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So this scripture instructs us not to be overly attached to worldly, non-spiritual things, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The love of the Most High and the love of earthly pleasures are incompatible, brothers and sisters. So if any man love the world, if he seek happiness in carnal things, he does not love the Most High. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. That's crystal clear according to the Bible that we're reading. Let's read verse 16, brother. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... And the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, but is of the world. This is all the things that are in the world, brothers and sisters. So if we are lackadaisical, the world can be very persuasive, brothers and sisters. This is what John is telling us here in this book, in, in, in these scriptures, brothers and sisters. The world can be very persuasive. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are Satan's tactics to persuade you, brothers and sisters. So we have to understand this so we can guard our heart efficiently, effectively, brothers and sisters. The heart of the matter. We're going to go to James chapter 4, verse 4. Follow us to James, brothers and sisters. James chapter 4, verse 4. 
James chapter 4 verse 4 Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Read that one more time, brother. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Look at that. Like unfaithful spouses flirting with the glamour of this world. We cannot straddle the fence between God and the world, brothers and sisters. That's why it's saying adulterers and adulteresses. Read that one more time, brother. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is an enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Look at that, brothers and sisters. A person cannot pursue his self-centered, worldly ambitions and still remain loyal to the Most High. Brothers and sisters, that's crystal clear. Now, the question is, why would he have to say this unless the world was attractive? Brothers and sisters, see, the world possesses a beauty that carnally we find difficult to resist. You have to honor that. You have to respect your opponent, brothers and sisters, because the second you underestimate your opponent, you're going down. You're going down. Why? Because you think that you can be around this and it will not affect you, brothers and sisters. We're going to read that one more time. James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is an enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. Remember when you was in school and you said, listen, you told your friends, if you're friends with that person I don't like, then you're not my friend anymore. Look at that. That's what the Most High is saying. Listen, if you're trying to find friendship in the world, then guess what? You're my enemy because you're against me. You cannot love this world and love me. This is what the Most High is saying, brothers and sisters. So what are we learning? We're learning to place our affections on heavenly things, on the things that are pleasing to the Most High. That's the first step of doing what? Of guarding our heart as Proverbs 4 tells us to do, brothers and sisters. That is the first step. Let's go to Philippians, brother Wesley. We're going to stay in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Take your time, brother. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whosoever things are true. Take your time, whatsoever. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Do what? Think on these things. We are commanded to focus our lives on things that please the most high, brothers and sisters. See, that's crystal clear. Philippians 4 and 8. Is giving us instruction here. How to experience the peace of God rather than the churning of the world, brothers and sisters. Remember, Romans said what? Those who are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. Those who are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, 
Think on these things. Think on these things. This is part of guarding your heart, brothers and sisters. We must be intentional about pursuing the truth. That's why it said, do what? Whatsoever things are honest, brothers and sisters, and just, pure, lovely. Things that are of a good report. So we must focus on the positive rather than the negative, brothers and sisters. He's given us a wealth of knowledge on how to guard our heart, brothers and sisters. This is a full-time job and it starts with our thoughts, brothers and sisters. Because wherever your mind is, your body will follow, brothers and sisters. Your body will follow. Let's magnify that point, brothers and sisters. He said, think on these things. Let's go to Proverbs 13 and 12, Brother Wesley. What does that say, brother? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Read that again. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So hope delayed or deferred maketh the heart sick. Now, brothers and sisters, often we find ourselves in opposition to the Most High's will, longing for things he does not desire to give us. <clears throat> and that pursuit of this fulfillment can also be a temptation to sin. So he's showing you something critical here, something vital. Can you read that again, brother? Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, <clears throat> but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Now, that's key. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Brothers and sisters. So when we hope for things and we don't get those things, it maketh the heart sick. Now, this is guarding your heart, brothers and sisters, because you have to be careful where you place your hope. That's what he's showing here. That's why Philippians said, think on these things. Colossians said, set your mind on things that are above understanding that hope and carnality if you if it's delayed can make your heart sick and usually God's deferral is for your own good for our own good but that's not the way we're going to see it is it brothers and sisters read that one more time brother please Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 hope deferred maketh the heart sick but when the desire cometh it is a tree of life see so brothers and sisters refrain from fleshly hopes that will only take us toward heart sickness why because our heart sickness will eventually turn us against him, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 13 is showing us something vital here. We must be cautious in the things we desire or treasure. Why? Frustration sets in, brothers and sisters. And frustration is a sign of investment, brothers and sisters. Investment creates expectation. So anytime you have expectation, you have potential for disappointment. See? You only get frustrated when you are invested in something. For example, brothers and sisters, if the stock market crash right now, most of us don't really care. You're like, oh, okay, well, too bad. Why? Because you haven't invested in that. <laughs> See, when you make an investment in something, you're expecting a return, brothers and sisters. So this is key. Hope deferred make up the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So look at that. When you obtain that desire, it had the opposite effect. So he's telling you, place your mind on things of me. Because you can get those things. If it's pleasing me, you can get that. And it's a tree of life. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Be careful where you place your desire, brothers and sisters. 
We're going to show you. Let's go to James chapter 4, verse 2, Brother Weston. We're going to James, brothers and sisters. Follow us to the New Testament. James chapter 4, verse 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have. And cannot obtain. And what? And cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. Yet ye have not. Because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not. Because ye ask amiss. That ye may consume it upon your lust. So the first scripture told us do what? It told us to be careful what we hope for. Why? Because a hope deferred or delayed maketh the heart sick. And now the Most High is showing a lot of times why we're not getting what we hope for. Can you read that from the top, brother? James chapter 4 verse 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. So sometimes we... We don't get something because we're not asking. And the reason why we're not asking usually is because we know it's against his will. But also the flip side is, verse 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. So sometimes our prayers are just an effort to make God serve our selfish desires, brothers and sisters. Trying to plug God into our worldly approach to get what we want. So that's, this is what people do, brothers and sisters. The most high is showing you, listen, I know your heart. Our real motives behind the improper desire is to gratify our carnal appetite. So this in conjunction with the scripture we read previously of hope deferred, make it the heart sick. If you're hoping for things that are against the most high, like what we're reading here, you're hoping for something that you can consume upon your lust. Guess what? You're going to make yourself sick because the Most High will not give you something that you're going to consume in lust, brothers and sisters. So while we would have the Most High serve our lust, we lose our prayers. This is what it's showing you. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, which means, yeah, you're praying to me, but I'm ignoring that prayer. See, because you're asking for a lustful purpose. And we're going to show you that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms, brother. 66, we're going to the Tanakh, brothers and sisters, going to the Old Testament, 66 and 18. Psalms, chapter 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart. Do what? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. See, he will not answer prayers with the motive to gratify carnality, brothers and sisters. This is showing us iniquity in the heart is a hindrance to prayer. Can you read that again? Psalms chapter 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin blocks our ability to communicate with the most high, brothers and sisters. This is, this is key knowledge. This is vital here, brothers and sisters. When prayers are not being answered, it would be wise to examine our motives, brothers and sisters. And guess what? It may not always be easy because the heart is deceitful, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 17 tells us that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, brothers and sisters. So we understand this. What is he showing us? He's showing you how to protect your heart, how to guard your heart, brothers and sisters. This is very important. This is the, the this is one of the most important lessons today. Why? 
Because if your heart is not protected, it's going to spread like a cancer. That sickness of the heart is going to spread to your mind. It's going to spread to your outlook. It's going to spread to your body, your actions. It all will stem here, brothers and sisters, as Christ told us in the New Testament. As in your heart, brothers and sisters, will manifest. We will begin to manifest what's actually in our heart, brothers and sisters. So the scripture is showing us something key here to be diligent regarding protecting and not neglecting our heart or else fall to spiritual heart disease. Brothers and sisters, this is very important here. This is this is vital. Let's go to Proverbs 17 and 22 to show you how vital this is, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22 and merry heart doeth good like a medicine do read that again and merry heart doeth good like a medicine but a broken spirit drieth the bones see this is why brothers and sisters he's telling you hope deferred make up the heart sick so it's telling you look at this brothers and sisters the connection between the mind and the body read that again brother a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. See, one cannot suffer and the other not be affected. It's showing you what? The connection between the mind and body, brothers and sisters. This also shows you that cheerfulness is conducive to health and well-being, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. See, this is why we have to guard the heart. Because a merry heart, a happy heart, doeth good like medicine. So having a merry heart has a positive effect on our physical health, brothers and sisters. While grief and distress take the very strength out of our bodies, brothers and sisters. See, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Brothers and sisters, we have to deal with it on a heart level because it's a heart issue. Brothers and sisters, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. See, a heart, a, a happy heart, a jovial or joyful heart affects everything else, brothers and sisters. So that means what? We must do everything to protect our heart, to keep it happy, to keep it merry, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 1 and 12 will show us how to do that, brothers and sisters. Follow us to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 1, verse 12. Ecclesiasticus chapter 1, verse 12. The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart. Read that again. The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart. Instructions on how to have a merry heart. And giveth joy and gladness. And a long life. Read that again. Ecclesiasticus chapter 1 verse 12. The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart. And giveth joy and gladness and a long life. Look at that. The fear of the Most High which means obedience brothers and sisters. So we, we must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now some of us don't want to do it. Saying if I do that I won't be happy. Either you're right or this scripture is right. Because the Bible is saying, if you follow what I tell you, 
You will be happy. You may not understand it. You may not be able to see it right now. But I understand. This is what the most I was telling you. Fear me. Be obedient to me. And on the back end, you will be happy. You will be happy. Read verse 18, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 1, verse 18. The fear of the Lord is crown of wisdom, making peace and perfect health to flourish, both which are the gifts of God, and it enlargeth their rejoicing that love him. And what? That enlargeth their rejoicing that love him. See, those of us who love him, which is obedience, <laughs> he enlarged our joy, brothers and sisters. This is showing you something critical. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 1 verse 18. The fear of the Lord is the is a crown of wisdom, making peace and perfect health to flourish. Doing what? Making peace and perfect health to flourish. A glad heart makes the body healthy, brothers and sisters. Both which are the gifts of God, and it enlarges their rejoicing that love him. See? So protecting your heart. Look at this. It has a positive effect on our physical health, brothers and sisters. See? So the Bible is giving you something vital here. How to have a happy life. What to protect. What to protect in order to enjoy life, brothers and sisters. Enjoyment is one of the greatest things you can have. Ecclesiastes. Not Ecclesiasticus, but Ecclesiastes tells us that. The gift of enjoyment, brothers and sisters. The only way you can get the gift of joy is through fear of the Most High, through obedience to the Most High, brothers and sisters. See? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms 97 and 11, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the heart of the matter, where the Bible is going to give us a strategy guide in protecting our heart. Psalms. Chapter 97, verse 11. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in the heart. And what? And a gladness for the upright in heart. See, the future happiness of the righteous, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Psalms, chapter 97, verse 11. Light is sown Which, for the righteous. It says light is sown for the righteous. What? How? Each act of self-denying light is sown. And gladness for the upright in heart. Reap what you sow. See? So you will reap gladness <laughs> if you sow righteousness. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The faithful servants will reap joy and felicity, brothers and sisters. Light is sown for the righteous. So gladness is sure to the upright in heart, brothers and sisters. And you have to trust this. You have to believe this, brothers and sisters. Believe that if you do what's right long enough, the reward will come. See? Now, it's different if you're only doing what's right for a reward. Now, that's different. That's different. But you have to trust that, yes, I'm doing what the Most High is, you know, telling me, and I'm going to benefit. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may be six months from now. But that's where that uh, understanding the maturity of delayed gratification comes in. Because if you're only looking for gratification in the immediate you cannot be utilized by the most high because you're only looking for pleasure that can affect you immediately brothers and sisters light is sown for the righteous and 
gladness for the upright in heart shall be reaped. Brothers and sisters, if you have faith in the Most High, then you understand this. You have faith in this. You trust this, brothers and sisters. There's no way around it. The Bible has to be right. If I do what's right, joy has to come to me. And if it doesn't, then I'll go back to my father and say, Father, Ahaya, the great I am, you said that if I did what's right, you would bring me joy. You would bring me happiness. And see, the Most High loved that. He loved you to do what? To hold him to his word. He loves it because the Most High always keep his word. If he says it, it will be. Brothers and sisters, it will be. It has no choice but to be. His words do not come back to him void, brothers and sisters. You must have faith and trust in that, brothers and sisters. He's showing us how to guard your heart, how to protect your heart from the spiritual warfare that's going on in the earth today. Brother Wesley, let's go to Proverbs, brother. 15 and 13. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. And merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Read that again. And merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Emotions of joy and sorrow show themselves in their external appearance. Read that one more time from the top, brethren. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. And merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. See? So whether it's joy or sorrow... You'll be able to tell by the ex external appearance, brothers and sisters. Read that, uh, read that last part again, brother. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Every kind of sorrow worketh death, brothers and sisters. It's showing you what? Grief weakens the strength and destroys the spirit, brothers and sisters. So if grief has taken possession of the heart, the powers of the mind are also influenced. Showing you something here, brothers and sisters. This is vital information here. This is the importance of protecting the heart. Guarding the heart, brothers and sisters. Because why? Your life, joy is all in the heart, brothers and sisters. A merry heart maketh a cheerful consonance, which is how you look. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken, brothers and sisters. See, so if you don't protect your heart, your spirit will be broken, brothers and sisters. And it will be evident to everyone who sees you, everyone who comes in contact with you. They'll see the grief. They'll see the depression. They'll see the spirit of heaviness. Which is an indication that you have not done a good job at protecting your heart. In fact, you've neglected your heart. According to the Bible. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha. Followers, brothers and sisters. Chapter 30, verse 21. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 30, verse 21. Give not over thy mind to heaviness, and afflict not thyself in thine own counsel. The gladness of the heart is the life of a man. Read that again. The gladness of the heart is the life of man. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The gladness of the heart is the life of man. See? So he's, he's telling us over and over how important it is to guard your heart, brothers and sisters. Read uh, verse 21 again, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 30, verse 21. 
Give not over thy mind to heaviness, and afflict not thyself in thine own counsel. Afflict not thyself in thine own counsel, which means trusting what you see, trusting what you want to do. Because why? Doing that will give your mind over to heaviness. Because usually you cannot accomplish what is in your mind. And if you do accomplish it, it's going to bring with it heaviness, brothers and sisters. Verse 22. Ecclesiasticus chapter 30 verse 22. The gladness of the heart is the life of man and the joyfulness of a man prolongeth his days. See, <laughs> if you protect your heart, you can prolong your days. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Keep your heart happy. Keep your heart happy by doing what? Setting your mind on things that are above and not earthly. Because the joyfulness of a man prolonged his days, brothers and sisters. Read. The gladness of the heart is the life of a man, and the joyfulness of a man prolongeth his days. Love thine own soul, and comfort thy heart. Remove sorrow far from thee. See, so look at that. If you love your own soul, you remove sorrow far from thee. And that starts with your affections walking after the spirit and not after the flesh. Why? Because hope deferred make up the heart sick, brothers and sisters. Place your mind not on the issues of life, but of the kingdom principles, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Ecclesiasticus chapter 30 verse 23. Love thine own soul and comfort thine heart. Remove sorrow far from thee, for sorrow hath killed many. And there is no profit therein. Sorrow hath killed many, brothers and sisters. So this is showing us something. The major source for the stronghold of heaviness to be prolonged is unresolved bitterness, brothers and sisters. The longer you remain bitter, the heavier your heart becomes. This is showing us something. That's why I said, give not over thy mind to heaviness. Heaviness will drive you into emotional and physical isolation, brothers and sisters. And isolated people are easier for Satan to deceive. See? This is a tactic. This is a plan. This is a strategy from the fallen one, brothers and sisters. We are to set our heart and mind on the Father instead of focusing on our problems. Focus on our God, brothers and sisters. So, during this first part of the lesson, we wanted to show how important it was to protect the heart. How, how beneficial it would be to do what? To make the heart merry, brothers and sisters. To show you the effect of a happy heart, brothers and sisters. And now, what are we going to do? We're going to show you the things to keep out of your heart, keep away from your heart. Things to flee from. Because if they take root in your heart, the mind of, excuse me, the spirit of heaviness is soon to follow. We're going to show you. If you're guarding your heart, you must guard your heart from anger. Brothers and sisters, we're going to show you. Let's go to Proverbs 14 and 17, brethren. The heart of the matter. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Look at this, brothers and sisters. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. So it's showing you that great men rule their spirits. Their spirits do not rule them, brothers and sisters. Can you read that, read, read that again, brother? 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of a wicked devices is hated. See, so there's no honor, manliness, or strength in losing your composure or control, brothers and sisters. And the key part is the first part. Read that part. <clears throat> he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. That part right there. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Why? Because Satan uses anger to cloud the, the cloud the vision and disturb the soul, to muddle the mind, brothers and sisters. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. So we have to be patient, long-suffering. Soon angry means you're easily irritated. You're easily angered. See? Must guard your heart from this anger, brothers and sisters. You must guard your heart from this anger. We're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 20. Going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. James chapter 1, verse 20. What does that say, brother? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. What did that say? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Anger is an ineffective tool for contributing or contributing to the righteousness of the Most High, brothers and sisters. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of the Most High. So it's showing you what? We lose our integrity, the trust of others, and our self-control when we live by anger, brothers and sisters. It's not good. Read that one more time, brother. James chapter 1, verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Why does it not work the righteousness of God? Because anger's tendency is not to incline us to keep the law, but to break it. <laughs> You'll do certain things or respond in a certain fashion that you would not respond if you were angry, brothers and sisters, right? See, when you're angry, the scripture previous said it clouds your vision. See, so anger provokes certain responses if it's not controlled to break the law. It's, it's unusual for somebody to be, you know, seething with anger and then to keep the law, brothers and sisters. Usually it doesn't work that way. So the Most High is showing you, you must keep this away from your heart. Protect your heart from the spirit of heaviness because if any of these attributes that we're getting ready to go into seeps in and takes root, the spirit of heaviness, the, the heart sickness will be soon to follow, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 7 and 9, brother. We're going to the Old Testament. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. What did that say? Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger resteth, resteth in the bosom of fools. For what? For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So look at that. This scripture expounds on the serious consequences of nursing anger in our hearts, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry for anger resteth in the bosom of fools See be not quick in thy spirit to be angry It says for anger rests in the bosom of a fool so such unrighteous anger reveals a lack of self-control brothers and sisters 
It exposes a decidedly weak character and ungodly attitude, brothers and sisters. The key part there is resteth in the bosom of fools, which means you sit with it. Because the Bible tell you what? Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. See, somebody who deals with unresolved anger and let it rest there is a fool. Why? Because it's going to be detrimental to your heart. You keeping that anger there is going to be detrimental. It's going to lead to a spiritual sickness, brothers and sisters. It's going to lead to sickness. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 20 and 2. Why? Because it says, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So let's deal with that resting place for the attribute of anger. Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. We went to Ecclesiasticus chapter 20. We're going to read verse 2, Brother Wesley. Ecclesiasticus chapter 20, verse 2. It is much better to reprove than to be angry secretly. And he that confess, confesseth his fault shall be preserved from hurt. Brothers and sisters, I need you to examine this scripture closely. Read that again, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 20, verse 2. It is much better to reprove than to be angry secretly. It's much better to reprove than to be angry secretly, brothers and sisters. See, look at that. It's much better to correct, to admonish a brother or sister than to be angry secretly. Why? Because unresolved anger leads to bitterness, brothers and sisters. That's why the, scrib uh, the scripture previously said, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. See? Don't let your anger mature into bitterness, brothers and sisters. Why? Because bitterness is unresolved, unforgiven anger and resentment, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 20, verse 2. It is much better to reprove than to be angry secretly. And he that confesseth his fault shall be preserved from hurt. It says then to be angry secretly. Why? Because a lot of us deal with this secret anger, brothers and sisters. We don't say anything about it. We just let it pile up until it boils. And then we explode. That's usually what happens, brothers and sisters, especially with men. Usually women, they'll tell you. They'll tell you every day if it's something every day. Men usually don't say anything until they, they're going to explode. So what is it showing us? We must have courage to confront when somebody have done something to make me angry. Now, when we say confront, we're talking about in a godly manner, which means use the stipulations contained in the gospel in order to admonish or correct a brother or sister if they have done something to me. See, it's much better to correct or reprove than to be angry secretly, because a lot of times what do we do? Well, I'm not going to say anything to her or to him because they should already know. No, it don't work like that. <laughs> it don't work like that. A brother should already know. How can he know unless you tell him or a sister? It's your obligation to protect your happiness, to protect your heart, which means confront the brother or sister and say, brother, sister, but you did hurt me. That offended me. You maybe didn't do it on purpose, but, you know, can you apologize for this? Can you apologize? Read that, that, that last part, brother. <clears throat> and he that confesseth his fault shall be preserved from hurt. Now, that's key since we're talking about reproof. Because one of my 
one of my personal pet peeves is when a brother or sister tell me or tell someone else what they should be offended about. See? Yeah. Well, no, no, brother. You really shouldn't be offended. This is really what I was saying. You should have took it this way. It's like, sister, brother, don't tell me when to be offended, okay? You don't have that right. I'm telling you, you hurt me, brother. Can you apologize for that? That's kind of how Edomites do. They do things or say things about you and then say, oh, uh, you shouldn't be offended about me saying your hair is nappy. I was just saying, you know, your hair defies gravity. It's like, don't tell me what to be offended by. <laughs> okay? Confess it. Apologize. Okay? It's much better to reprove than to be angry secretly. Why? Because if you're angry secretly, brothers and sisters, every decision you make concerning whatever the source of your anger is, is going to be clouded. It's going to be clouded. It's going to be muddy, brothers and sisters. So according to this scripture, it's showing us what, brothers and sisters? When you are offended or disappointed and allow the hurt to germinate into your heart, bitterness and resentment will take root. You must keep anger from your heart. You must keep bitterness from your heart. Let's go to Hebrews, brother Wesley. Follow us to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men. Do what? Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Without what? Without, without which no man shall see the Lord. I hope Israelites are saying this. Especially the Israelites who want white people to kiss their boots and, you know, say the white man is the devil and, and all this other madness. The Bible say follow peace with all men. What do all men mean, brothers and sisters? Do that mean Israelites? Do that mean, you know, Benjamites and just Judites? Or do that mean all men? See? Without which no man shall see the Most High. See? Read that again, brother, please. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Lest what? Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Thereby many have been defiled from that root of bitterness, brothers and sisters. See, the soil of bitterness is a heart that harbors hostility, brothers and sisters. When someone becomes bitter, the bitterness takes root in the heart and grows deeper. That's why it says, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you. Where's the soil? How can it take root? What soil? The heart, brothers and sisters. The root of bitterness is underground. It's easy to hide and camouflage, brothers and sisters. Read that from the top, please, brother. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. See, so if you don't look diligently, you can fail from the grace of the Most High. Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you. How can you fail from the grace of the Most High? Allowing a root of bitterness to spring up in you. And thereby many be defiled. Further proof that what? Bitterness bring on other sins. Brothers and sisters. See? 
If the soil is bitter, if the ground is bitter, guess what else will spring up? A multitude of sins, brothers and sisters. A multitude of sins. This is showing you what, brothers and sisters? The root of bitterness is underground in the heart. And we have to do our due diligence to protect our heart from this. The heart of the matter. We dealt with the anger. We're dealing with the bitterness, brothers and sisters. These are the things you must guard your heart from. Why? Because if you allow these to take root in your heart, guess what? It steals your peace. It steals your joy. And we've read that a merry heart prolongeth a man's days, brothers and sisters. These are the things you must keep your heart far away from. You have to do your diligence, brothers and sisters, not to neglect your heart in protecting it from these outside fleshly attributes, brothers and sisters. Follow us, brothers and sisters, to Ecclesiasticus 30 and 17. He's showing us how to protect our heart, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 30, verse 17. Death is better than a bitter life or continual sickness. Read that again. Death is better than a bitter life or continual sickness. Mm. The worst thing in life is not to die, but to live with bitterness, brothers and sisters. Bitterness, grudges, and resentments poison life, brothers and sisters. Now, what's key, what's critical, what's vital, brothers and sisters, is the Bible would not continually caution us against bitterness if life would not bring situations that could lead us to be bitter. He's not going to warn us against something that, you know, we're not going to come in contact with, brothers and sisters. So we have to protect our heart against bitterness, brothers and sisters. Because why? Death is better than a bitter life or continual sickness. Hope deferred <laughs> maketh the heart sick. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. It would be better to be dead than to be frustrated concerning your expectation on something that you're hoping for that you're not going to get for whatever reason that is. That's why he's saying set your mind on things that are above, brothers and sisters. Follow after the spirit and not after the flesh, brothers and sisters. A lot of people dealing with heaviness, the spirit of heaviness and depression and bitterness and these things. It's why? Because we haven't done a good job at protecting our heart. Probably we don't know how to protect our heart, brothers and sisters. And that's why the Most High compelled us, the commandments keep the commandment keepers church, to put together these precepts to help our brothers and sisters have a strategy guide, a defense to protect their heart against the things that Satan would use to rip us apart spiritually. Read that one more time, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus. Chapter 30, verse 17. Death is better than a bitter life or continual sickness. So, brothers and sisters, what is the next characteristic or trait that we must pay attention to closely? We've dealt with the anger. We've dealt with the bitterness. And where does the anger and where does the bitterness come from? Well, of course, it, the source of it is anger, but it's unforgiven anger brothers and sisters. So our next trait is forgiveness. 
We're going to go to Luke 17 and 1. Brother Wesley, let's go to the gospel, brothers and sisters. Forgiveness. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So brothers and sisters, he's saying it's impossible to live a life where offenses will not come, right? This is key here, brothers and sisters. It says impossible, which means offenses will come no matter who you are, brothers and sisters. So guess what? If we know offenses will come, we must have a strategy guide against offenses. Read that again, brother. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It says, but woe unto him through whom they come. Now that's key right there, brothers and sisters. That's key. Read the next scripture, brother. Luke chapter 17, verse 2. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea. Then, then that he should offend one of these little ones. So the first two verses there is a warning to offenders, brothers and sisters. A disciple must not be the cause of sin. Why? Because offenses lead to anger, which usually leads to a sin, brothers and sisters. So it's critical here that for us disciples of Christ, that we do nothing to cause a brother or sister to sin. We must guard ourselves against offending people. Doesn't matter what they've done to you. You're responsible to Luke 17. See? You're responsible for Luke 17 and 2, no matter what a brother or sister have done to you. See? It would be better for him that a millstone hanged around his neck, thrown into the sea, where he cannot float to the top. See, the scripture don't say, well, if a brother or sister do something to you, you know, then it's okay. For the disciples, for us, brothers and sisters, woe unto him through whom they come. Our actions and words can be helpful or hurtful, and we must pay attention to them, brothers and sisters. That's what he's showing us here. Read the next scripture, brother, please. Luke chapter 17, verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Do what? If, you, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Remember, it's better to reprove or rebuke than to be angry secretly. And if he repent, forgive him. And if what? And if he repent, forgive him. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent. Thou shalt forgive him. Brothers and sisters, the first two verses are towards the offenders. The next two verses are about how to handle the offenders, brothers and sisters. Why, is he, why does he keep saying this? Why is he saying if a brother offends you seven times and asks you for forgiveness seven times to receive him? Why? Because he's trying to protect your heart. He knows that the root of bitterness will do what? will dig deep down into your heart and damage you, bring a spiritual sickness upon your heart, take away your happiness, put the spirit of heaviness on you. So he's telling you, forgive him no matter how many times. Now, brothers are looking like, hold on, seven times. The first time, okay, maybe. But seven times today? Oh, I don't know about that. 
I, I mean, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Read that again, brother. Verse 3. Luke chapter 17, verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent. Thou shalt forgive him. If, if a brother repent, thou shalt forgive him. And what happened after that, brother? And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. They said what? Increase our faith. Increase our faith. They're like, Father, we, I mean, <laughs> Christ, we, we ain't got enough faith for all that. Now, the first time, okay. But you talking about seven times today within a 24-hour span? I don't have enough faith for that, Father. <laughs> I don't have a, enough faith for that, Christ. So this has shown us a couple of things. Our faith is vital to the process of forgiveness, brothers and sisters. See, you cannot be an apostle and not deal with the spirit of forgiveness, brothers and sisters. Read verse 5 again, brother. <clears throat> Luke chapter 17, verse 5. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Increase our faith. So they're saying, I don't have enough faith to do that right now. What did Christ say? Verse 6. And the Lord said, If ye have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. See, so what is Christ showing here? The issue is not faith. The issue is obedience. <laughs> See, he's saying, If you have faith just as a mustard seed, you can tell this sycamine tree to be moved into the sea. So you definitely can forgive seven times in a day. <laughs> See, it's important to forgive because discipleship requires it. Here they are saying, well, I need more faith in order to do that. Christ is like, if you have any faith at all, you have enough faith to do that. It's your decision to do it. See, look at that, brothers and sisters. The issue is not faith. The issue is obedience. It's obedience, brothers and sisters. Forgiveness. Anger, bitterness, and forgiveness is how you fight those two traits, brothers and sisters. That's how you fight those traits. You must have forgiveness, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 28, Brother Wesley. I'm going to read chapter 28, verse 2 through 5. Ecclesiasticus chapter 28, verse 2. Forgive thy neighbor the hurt that he has done. Unto thee. Read that again. Forgive thy neighbor that the hurt that he has done unto thee. Forgiveness is God's command. So shall thy sins also be forgiven when thou prayest. See, forgiveness is for yourself because it frees you, brothers and sisters, to be forgiven yourself. One man beareth hatred against another, and doeth he seek pardon from the Lord? See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. Forgiveness frees us to be forgiven from the Most High. It lets us out of that prison that we've put ourselves in. He showeth no mercy to a man which is like himself. And doeth he ask forgiveness of his own sins? See, so he's saying, listen, all the sinning you've done against me, and you won't forgive a brother or sister for something they've done to you? I will not forgive you. Remember the Lord's Prayer, brothers and sisters. Matthew 6 and 9 through 13. Forgive us, you know, our debts as we forgive our debt to us. 
brothers and sisters. So he's saying, listen, I will forgive you based on your level of forgiveness. Forgive the brother seven times in a day if he repents seven times with contrition. This is key, brothers and sisters. Read three one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 28, verse 3. One man beareth hatred against another, and doeth he seek pardon from the Lord? Read. He showeth no mercy to a man which is like himself, and doeth he ask forgiveness of his own sins? If he that is but flesh nourish hatred. Read that again. But he that is but he that is but flesh nourish hatred, who will entreat for pardon of his sins? Nourish hatred. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Now let, let's be clear here. Forgiveness doesn't excuse the other person's behavior, but it does prevent their actions from destroying your heart and future, brothers and sisters. See? So you're forgiving them for yourself. Brothers and sisters, listen, brother, you offended me, you hurt me, you know, but the Bible tells you in order to protect my heart, in order to make sure I don't become depressed and sick, I have to forgive you, brother. So I forgive you, brother, because that's what the scripture command me to do. So even if you don't want to forgive, you're commanded to. Christ said if you had faith as a mustard seed, that would be enough. That would be enough. So the issue is not your amount of faith. It's your amount of obedience, brothers and sisters. Forgiveness. So we've read what, brothers and sisters? To stay far from anger. To stay far from bitterness. How do you do that? Through forgiveness, brothers and sisters. Traditionally, how does forgiveness come? Through confession of fault. Brothers and sisters, these are the things we're learning in order to guard our hearts from the enemy. Let's go to James 5 and 16, brother. Because you can't talk about conf uh, forgiveness without confession. James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. That ye may be healed. That what? That ye may be healed. So look at that. <laughs> not forgiving and not confessing lead to sickness, brothers and sisters. So I need you to examine this closely. Apology is often the forgotten responsibility when we hurt other people, brothers and sisters. Most people are just too afraid to be that vulnerable. Can you read that again? James chapter 5 verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another, that ye may be healed. That what? That ye may be healed. Taking the step of apologizing is taking a step towards healing a wound. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So brothers and sisters, an apology is the highway that must be paved for forgiveness to travel. Brothers and sisters, apology and forgiveness are the hand and glove requirements for discipleship. Brothers and sisters. But both of these are hard on our pride. These things are hard on our pride. Confess to a brother. Confess to a sister when you've done wrong. See? Can you do that? A lot of us don't do this, brothers and sisters. Ask yourself, when is the last time, you know, I flat out confessed and apologized? 
See, some people say, well, if they apologize to me, then I apologize. What? You're responsible to the most high God, whether they do it or not. Grow up. Grow up. Sound like a 10-year-old right now. Confess your faults to one to another. You see, guess what happens when you do that? The brother or sister gain more respect for you. Probably become closer. Why? Because when you're wrong, you admit that you're wrong. Therefore, you know what? I can trust you, brother. Because nobody's perfect. We're all wrong at some point, sometimes including myself. Can you let your pride down and confess that fault to me? Or are you going to justify that fault to me? He's showing us what? Confession. Keep the heart healed. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, brother. 4 and 26. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 4, verse 26. Be not ashamed to confess thy sins. Read that again. Be not ashamed to confess thy sins. A man should never be ashamed to own when he has been in the wrong. Apologies are not about being wrong, but accepting responsibility, brothers and sisters. Read that again. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 4, verse 26. Be not ashamed to confess thy sins. And force not the course of the river. Force not the course of the river. Trying to conceal transgression from the Most High is impossible. Like swimming against the current of a river. Brothers and sisters. That's what this is showing us here. And force not the course of the river. Trying to go against the current of the river. See? You can't hide your, your lack of confession. Because why, brothers and sisters? We must conf confess and we must forgive. And usually the people who can't confess to your brother or sister usually have a problem confessing to the Most High. See, all of us say, well, Father, forgive me for all my sins. But we're talking about something more personal. Asking for forgiveness for specific sin that you know you was wrong about. See, because that's on another level. That's humility right there. That specific sin that you did. Confessing that with your mouth. Apologizing to the Father. Not trying to encompass all your sins in one so you can just get past that. Well, yeah, Father, forgive me for all my sins I did last year. Like, no. No. Now, are we saying he won't do that? No, we're not saying that. He's the most high. He can do as he pleased. But what we're speaking of is confession to specific sins that we've done that we know we're wrong about. Why? Because it brings you closer to your God. See? And it causes... Something in your mind to shape when you say it from your mouth. It encourages you to never do it again. But if you can't say it with your mouth, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Can you read that again, brother? Ecclesiasticus chapter 4 verse 26. Be not ashamed to confess thy sins and force not the course of the river. Brothers and sisters, can you say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? See, can you ask a brother that, brother? Can you forgive me? <laughs> See, expressing remorse communicates that you understand you hurt someone, brothers and sisters. It's all a part of the cleansing process. Remember that. I am sorry I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Will you please forgive me? Brothers and sisters, we're at Proverbs 28 and 13. What does that say, Brother Wesley? Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. 
He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Read that again. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Look at that. Hide and protect our sins, and the Most High will grind us into powder from the inside out. To cover is to conceal. But whoso confess and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See? So the way you handle your sins will determine your future prosperity or destruction. Brothers and sisters, if we try to hide or ignore our faults, our chances for success in life are dim. Can you read that again, brother? Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confess and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He who hide or conceal his sins shall not prosper. Now that's critical, brothers and sisters. That's key. Because your prosperity is determined by your ability to confess your faults. See? Don't allow pride to take priority over our relationships with the people that we, you know, that we may be wronged. This is key, brothers and sisters. This is vital. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confess and forsake them shall have mercy. We have to have the ability to not only forgive, brothers and sisters, but confess. And usually the people who won't forgive have a problem with confessing. That's how it works. See? The same people who will not forgive won't even confess when they're wrong. And vice versa. It's all tied together here, brothers and sisters. The Most High is showing you something here. He's showing you what things to hide in your heart and which things you need to hide from your heart, brothers and sisters. This is key. And usually, the issue is pride, brothers and sisters. Pride is something we must keep away from our heart. And we're going to prove that. Isaiah 29 and 19. What does that say, Brother Wesley? Isaiah chapter 29, verse 19. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. Read that again. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. We want to focus on that first part. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. A merry heart prolongeth the days. So Sean, we don't discover the joy of the Most High until we humble ourselves completely, brothers and sisters. Our happiness depends on our extermination of pride. And usually, if you can't confess or forgive, you're struggling with pride. Because pride is the father of all sins, brothers and sisters. Every sin begins with pride. And we're showing what? We're showing the things to hide in your heart and what to hide from your heart, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the heart of the matter, brothers and sisters. The heart of the matter. Read that one more time, brother. Isaiah chapter 29, verse 19. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. So if you humble yourself, the Most High can give you the gift of enjoyment, can give you the, the gift of joy, brothers and sisters. And this is key. This is vital to understand this. We must humble ourselves because without doing that, our happiness, our joy will find it's, we will find it elusive. We will find it evasive, brothers and sisters. 
Keep pride from your heart. We're going to go to Job 41, brothers and sisters. We'll talk a little bit about the characteristics of pride. Job chapter 41, verse 1. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Now, brothers and sisters, anybody who understands Job 41 knows that Job 41 is speaking of that creature, that water creature called Leviathan that was created in the beginning to keep people from measuring the depths of the sea. But this particular chapter has a dual, a dualism about it because Leviathan represents pride in this chapter, brothers and sisters. So we're going to read the characteristics of Leviathan and equate it with pride. How do we know that Leviathan is speaking of pride? It's speaking about the actual creature, but on the flip side, what we're getting ready to read is giving us insight into the characteristics of pride. We're going to show you. Read verse 1 again, brother, please. Job chapter 41, verse 1. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? How do we know this is speaking of Leviathan, but it's speaking of pride? Jump to verse 35, uh, excuse me, 34, brothers and sisters. Job chapter 41, verse 34. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. He is what? He is a king over all the children of pride. Brothers and sisters, he is a king over all the children of pride. So the spirit of Leviathan is the spirit of pride, brothers and sisters. We're getting ready to go into that. We're going to go into the characteristics of Leviathan and show you how these come with the spirit of pride, brothers and sisters. Leviathan is the king over all the children of pride. The spirit of Leviathan. We're going to go back to Job 41 and 10, Brother Wesley. Follow us closely, brothers and sisters. The spirit of pride. Job chapter 41, verse 10. None is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand before me? This is speaking of not only Leviathan, but the spirit of pride. Read that again, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 10. None is so fierce that dare stare stir him up who then is able to stand before me those with the spirit of leviathan find themselves alone brothers and sisters loneliness more times than not is the price of pride why pride will cost you more than any other character fall brothers and sisters it says none is so fierce that dare stir him up who then is able to stand before him see which means he finds himself alone Nobody wants to mess with him. Nobody wants to stir him up. The spirit of pride. Continue. Job chapter 41 verse 11. Who hath prevented me that I should be repay him? Read that again, brother. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Whatsoever what? Whatsoever whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Brothers and sisters, the spirit of Leviathan is manifested through selfishness. Brothers and sisters, it's all about what I want. Pride puts itself on the throne of our hearts instead of the most high. Read that again, please. Job chapter 41, verse 11. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Everything under heaven belongs to me. 
Continue. I would not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his calmly proportions. Read that again. I would not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his calmly proportion. Most people with the spirit of pride will never truly open up to others, brothers and sisters. They refuse to be vulnerable. So this is showing what? Pride can manifest itself in insecurity. It says, I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportion. See? I will not open up. I will not be vulnerable. I will not show you my power or my parts. See? The spirit of pride, brothers and sisters. The spirit of Leviathan, brothers and sisters. Now, all these scriptures apply to him physically also. But Leviathan is what? The king of the spirit of pride, brothers and sisters. Read verse, uh, read verse 12 again, please, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 12. I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his calmly proportion. Continue. Who can discover the face of his garment? Or who can come to him with his double bridle? Read that again, please. Job chapter 41, verse 13. Who can discover the face of his garment? Or who can come to him with his double bridle? Who can come to him with his double bridle? To bridle something means to restrict, brothers and sisters, to contain. So this is telling you what? One of the ways you can spot pride is you cannot be corrected. They resent correction from others, and they're angered by criticism, brothers and sisters. See, the spirit of Leviathan is manifested in our inability to accept correction. Who can come to him with his double bridle? See, who can correct him? Who can criticize? You can't restrict me from doing and saying what I want. See, pride. Read the next scripture, brother. Job chapter 41. Verse 14, who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. Read that again. Who can open the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His teeth are terrible round about. This is for referring to what, brothers and sisters? This is telling you that pride can be manifested in the tone of speech, usually. So their, their refusal to tone it down. And listen, just because you're louder doesn't make you right. So they'll cut you off and speak over you. Why? Because the spirit feels as though nothing you say is worth listening to. That's the spirit of Leviathan, the spirit of pride. And you'll find it when people are cutting you off and speaking over you. That's pride is there, brothers and sisters. It's the spirit of Leviathan, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother, please. Job chapter 41, verse 15. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a closed seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. Oh, read sixteen. Read 15 and 16 again, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 15. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a closed seal. One is so near to another that no air can come in between. It says one is so near to another that no air can come between them. Air, brothers and sisters, represents the Holy Spirit. Breath, air, when you read these a lot of times in scripture, is representation of the Holy Spirit. And one of the manifestations of pride is the inability to flow in the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit cannot work through you. Why? Because of the pride 
See, the Holy Spirit cannot come into you. Why? It says his scales of pride shut up together as with a close seal. So his scales are so close that air or the Holy Spirit cannot work through him. See, this is showing you that pride cannot be utilized by the Most High, cannot be utilized by the Holy Spirit. Read verse 17 again, brother, please. Job chapter 41, verse 17. They are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. Continue. By his nascing, a light does shine, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Read. Out of his mouth goes burning lamps. Read that again. Out of, out of his mouth goes burning lamps, and sparks of fire to leap out. Read that again, brother. Take your turn. <clears throat> Job chapter 41 verse 19 Out of his mouth go burning lamps And sparks of fire leap out Brothers and sisters The spirit of Leviathan Is manifested in the filthiness of our speech Brothers and sisters When it says Out of his mouth go burning lamps And sparks of fire leap out Proud people <clears throat> usually Possess an unruly tongue Brothers and sisters That's what it's showing you Sparks fire coming out of his mouth. Continue. Job chapter 41 verse 20. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke. As out of the seething pot or cauldron. Look at that. Out of his nostrils goes smoke. As out of a seething pot or cauldron. Brothers and sisters. Seething. What is this referring to? Being hot. The spirit of Leviathan is manifested in our anger. Brothers and sisters. See, pride is often revealed in anger. Why? Because when someone is angry, you get clarity on the pride that has concealed itself. Why? Because in angry, you're not when you're angry, you're not thinking clearly. So someone once told me that there's three people that'll tell you the truth. Children, drunk people, and someone who's angry. They'll really show you how they feel and what they think about you when they're angry. This is showing you pride, brothers and sisters. Can be shown in anger. Someone who's hastily angry. Who lets anger rest in the bosom. Read that again brother please. <clears throat> Job chapter 41 verse 20. Out of his nostrils goes smoke. And out of, the, out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindled coals. And a flame goeth out of his mouth. His breath kindleth coals. This is showing you the refusal to yield. And or speak humbly in that anger, <clears throat> brothers and sisters. Remember, it tell you about uh, certain words kindling the fire or extinguishing the fire in Proverbs, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother, please. Read 20 and 21, please. Job chapter 41, verse 20. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals. And a flame goeth out of his mouth. See, so it's an unwillingness to speak softly to extinguish an argument. Why? Because soft words turn away wrath. <laughs> Refusing to apologize. This is what it's showing you. That is a characteristic of pride. You're kindling the coals. You're adding to the fire. You can't just humble yourself and say some smooth, soft words to extinguish this fire. You can't do that. See? Pride. Read the next scripture, please, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 22. 
In his neck remaineth strength. Read that again. In his neck remaineth strength. And sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his hair, the flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. Read 22 again, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 22. In his neck remaineth strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before him. Brothers and sisters, a strong neck refers to being stubborn and stiff neck. See? Read. And the sorrow is turned into joy before him. So sorrow is turned to joy before him. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this closely. Continue. The the flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. Read. His heart is as firm as a stone. Read that again. His heart is as firm as a stone. Stubborn pride creates hardened hearts, brothers and sisters. Yeah, as hard as a piece of the neither the neither millstone. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Stubbornness and rebellion are two manifestations of pride. Verse 22 says his neck remain of strength. Sorrow is turned into joy before him. So they like to see their enemy hurt. They like to see their enemy stumble and fall, brothers and sisters. Verse 24 says what, brother? His heart is as firm as a stone. Yea, as hard as a piece of the neither millstone. See, this is a, this is a, this is a characteristic of pride is a hardened heart, brothers and sisters. Read verse 25, please, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 25. When he raises him, when he raises up himself, the mighty are afraid. Read that again. When he raises up himself, the mighty are afraid. By reason of breaking, they purify themselves. When he raiseth up himself, the mighty are afraid. By reason of breaking, they purify themselves. If people are afraid to correct you, you're not humble enough. Brothers and sisters. See, if people have to delegate to somebody, well, I ain't saying nothing to them. You say something to them. No, I don't want to say it. You say it. I did it last time. You say it. <clears throat> That's showing that you have pride. You have unresolved pride where everybody is scared to speak to you about what you're doing that's wrong. Brothers and sisters. See? So, we're not going to go through the whole chapter, brothers and sisters, but we're showing you the characteristics of pride. I encourage brothers and sisters to go back and read all of Job uh, 41. We've got a few more scriptures here. Jump to verse 31, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 31. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. <clears throat> so what is this? <clears throat> Excuse me, brothers and sisters. What is this showing us? Can you read that one more time? Job chapter 41, verse 31. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. Pride is such a deeply rooted spirit, it's hard to draw them out, brothers and sisters. This is what this is showing us. It's hard to draw out because it's, it's when it gets rooted, it hardens the heart. It's hard to get out, brothers and sisters. Uh, read the next scripture, brother. Job chapter 41, verse 32. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. Read that again. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be uh, hairy. Hoary. Hoary. So brothers and sisters, 
He maketh a path to shine after him and, and, and would think the deep to be whore. Brothers and sisters, if you have a serpent dragging on the bottom of the sea floor, it leaves a trail, brothers and sisters. You can see a trail of a serpent just slithering through the mud or slithering through the dust, right? What is it showing? Pride will leave many trails of hurt and pain everywhere it goes. Everywhere this person go, they got a history of hurting people, of, of losing friends, losing family, losing relationships based on their pride. This is what it's showing you. Pride has trails everywhere they go. Read the next scripture, brother, please. <coughs> Job chapter 41, verse 33. Upon earth there is not he is like, who is made without fear. Read. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. He is what? He is, the, he is a king over all the children of pride. Brothers and sisters, the spirit of Leviathan is what? The king over all the children of pride. Leviathan is a real beast creature. And the characteristics of Leviathan are indication to characteristics or attributes of pride, brothers and sisters. We must keep that away from our heart. That's one of the most important things we must shelter our heart from, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the heart of the matter, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 3, brother. Because there's something else that we have to deal with in order to protect our heart. Keep it healthy. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Mercy, brothers and sisters. In order to keep your heart cleansed, you must have mercy. Read that again, brother. Proverbs chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Do what? Write them upon the table of thine heart. See? So look at that. <clears throat> We're talking about guarding the heart, brothers and sisters, are we not? Mercy and truth, brothers and sisters. Mercy is love that seeks to forgive. Mercy is an act of love done without expecting anything in return. Read that again, brother. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Let these be thy constant companions through life. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Read. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Read that again. So shalt thou find favor. Right there. See? Mercy bring favor. See, brothers and sisters? Let these attributes express integrity, brothers and sisters. He's showing you. Stay away from anger. Stay away from bitterness. Do what? Do what? Embrace forgiveness. Embrace confession. Right? Look what he's showing us. Stay away from pride. Embrace mercy. Embrace truth. He's showing you how to guard your heart, brothers and sisters. He's showing you how to guard your heart. Mercy, brothers and sisters, is very important in keeping a healthy heart. Let's show you. Let's go to Proverbs 24 and 17, Brother Wesley. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. 
Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Read that again. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. And let not thine heart be glad when he stumbles. This is the kind of heart that distinguishes men, brothers and sisters. See, rejoice not when thy enemy fall. Let not thy heart be glad when he stumble. See? Here is a hard test of character, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he is stumbled. So look at that. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Here is a real measure of godliness and wisdom, brothers and sisters. If we do what this scripture is telling us not to do, it's a sure sign of devilish hatred. And I see a lot of Israelites on corners, right? Castigating and excoriating the white man. Saying they can't wait for this and that. And kiss my boo. See? Look at that. that you show me an indication of your heart. Because a righteous person, a man of God, doesn't rejoice when his enemy fall. Now see, that take training. Because naturally, when somebody do something to offend or hurt you, it feels good to see them fall. See? That's your natural body. You're walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. See? Because would Christ do that? Because in that same Bible that you claim to follow, he also admonished Esau and the Edomites for rejoicing when the children of Israel lost their heritage and said that the judgment was coming to them upon Christ's second coming for them rejoicing over our fall and our stumbling. And then you'll go back and do the same thing. See, this is the test of mercy right here. Like, listen, brother, I mean, I don't want to see you fall, even if you are my enemy. I, you know, I'm not happy that you fell, but you played with the Most High, brother. And when you play with the Most High, unfortunately, you have to reap that, brother. When you sow that, you have to reap what the Most High have. Now, am I happy with it? No, brother, I'm not. I wish you would have never did that, so you didn't have to deal with that repercussion, brother, but you did. So, you know, but I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about a brother or sister stumbling and falling. What type of man or woman of God are you? Would you rejoice to see somebody fall? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 36 and 20 and we'll go to Ecclesiasticus 38 and 20 and we'll end it there, brother. Follow us to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. 36 and 20. Ecclesiasticus chapter 36 verse 20 A forward heart causeth heaviness A forward heart causeth heaviness but a man of experience will recompense him So something's key brothers and sisters a forward heart causeth the spirit of heaviness So unwillingness to comply to his instruction will bring the spirit of heaviness brothers and sisters So if we're not uh, <clears throat> if we're not careful as to what we allow to fester in our heart, the spirit of heaviness will befall us. And that's why we went into all of these attributes of what to keep away from our heart and what to embrace in our heart. Why? Because an unwillingness to comply to those instructions will cause heaviness. You're ripe for the taking. When you're dealing with unforgiveness, a lack of confession and anger, and that's your heart, Satan. That's the, that's the demon's playground right there. Your heart is just ready. You just your body, your vessel is just waiting for possession, waiting for a demonic possession. 
See? All that unforgiveness, that lack of confession, that bitterness. A demon is waiting for the most opportune time to jump right in you because you have no defense. You have no defense. Your only defense is mercy. Your only defense is forgiveness. You See, these are your defenses, brothers and sisters. Otherwise, you're, you're primed for the taking. You're ready for the taking, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 38 and 20. Ecclesiasticus chapter 38, verse 20. Take no heaviness to heart. Do what? Take no heaviness to heart. Drive it away. And remember the last end. See, so look at this. Take no heaviness to heart, brothers and sisters. If evil attributes take root in our heart, it will bring forth this fruit of heaviness, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to go into those attributes in order to show what will bring on that spirit of heaviness. Why? Read verse 18, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 38, verse 18. For of heaviness cometh death. Why? For of heaviness cometh death. And the heaviness of the heart breaketh strength. See? You reap what you sow, brothers and sisters. If you allow anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, a lack of mercy, lack of confession to take root in your heart, you're going to reap that. And that is death, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 30, 38, verse 18. For of heaviness cometh death, and the heaviness of, of the heart breaketh strength. See, the heaviness of the heart breaketh your strength, brothers and sisters. Guard your heart like it matters, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the heart of the matter, where we try to utilize scripture as a strategy guide, as a game plan to protect ourselves from all the devious wiles of Satan, brothers and sisters. As we learn today, we are in charge of guarding our hearts, and it is a full-time job, brothers and sisters. It's a full-time job. I encourage brothers and sisters, especially during these last, you know, the, the, the days of the holidays where the spirit of heaviness is on a lot of us. The spirit of depression is on a lot of us because it's, we're in the most satanic time of the year. I encourage you, go back on this lesson. Listen to these scriptures. Jot down these scriptures. Read them for yourself, brothers and sisters. The Most High loves us so much. He gave us a what you would call a vaccine. This is the vaccine right here. This is a spiritual vaccine to prevent you from a heart sickness. This is the actual vaccine that work, brothers and sisters. That other mess is going to bring the sickness. The Bible is showing you how to prevent sickness of the heart, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was the heart of the matter. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.